dipping into a week-by-week week, um, chapter on different feelings and, 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 and um, senses that we have to deal with in life and how God wants us to use them to direct us into a closer relationship with him, ourselves, and others. And um, I was feeling quite smug before Christmas, doing my you know, reading, ready for this series, and I was... I was like, oh, got my got my coffee in a nice coffee shop, and and I got my new hardback book, and I was just reading through, and I was in encouraged by the fact that the image that he'd used was a tree which matched King Centre and Netherage. I was just feeling quite smug, <laughs> and then I got to the chapter on hurt, and I dropped my coffee cup right over <laughs> right over the page, uh, you know, it's like the whole thing. Um, <laughs> causing complete carnage around me. Everybody sort of went, oh, who, who is this guy? And then I read these words. Life is hard and life hurts. Hurt is the emotional and spiritual cry within us that lets us know that we have pain. And I'm like, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening. This is right. And then it goes on to explain how we deal with that. Now, I think, now that's a very trivial example We've got far bigger examples of pain uh, in our story, collective story and in our individual story, and I'm sure you can identify with me. But the question is, what do we do with that pain? What is it for? What, how do we respond? And, um, uh, you know, I've just been taking note of the worship and, and the prophetic words and getting excited because there was talk about... Um, Psalm 40 and the sense of um, God lifting us out of the miry clay. Psalm 40, we, you know, he lifts us out of the pit. Well, the pit is the opposite of what God offers us. The decent pen. You know, it, I talked last time about how God comes to lift us out through spiritual birth and develop intimacy in relationships with himself, ourself, and others. Hey. But the thing is, good relationships take time. They're hard. We have to work at them, and we have, we have to invest in them. Whereas the things that the enemy seeks to give us are in abundance and very easy to get hold of. You know, I've only put a few up here, but, you know, drugs and alcohol, you know, are fairly prevalent and, and easy to get hold of. Serial relationships which is another thing that we, you know, we could just go from person to person. That's quite easy because we don't have to go deep. Fantasies, the world of fantasies, books and, and narratives and, and films are all around us. It's very easy to binge on fantasies. And um, isolation is also all around us because it's easy just to cut ourselves off um, from relationships. But God has given us feelings. It could be the, f the senses, the five senses that we talked about last time, or it could be that sixth sense that, that you just know that something's not right in your soul. They all di di should direct us to relationship. So Matthew chapter 11, 27 says this, no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. 
and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. So God chooses to reveal himself to us. We're all sons and daughters of Jesus, um, of the Father. Um, and it's the Son, through his Spirit, that knows the Father. That, that word knowing, sometimes when, when we talk about sexual relations, it's the most intimate type of um, human uh, knowing that you can have and that's the that's the sense of knowing completely that we get here and to the on the end of that sentence jesus says so come to me all you who are weary and burdened in other words those who feel pain and i will give rest for your souls not just rest not just to sleep but re we're restless aren't we our souls are restless looking for a home he gives us rest for our souls you could say that discipleship is just being reattached to God or to knowing God more fully. And I've been thinking about this. Some of you might um, be aware of attachment theory. And attachment theory is a, a, a theory that's developed by John Dolby in the 20th century. Um, uh, and it's, it's kind of a prevailing thought amongst um psychiatry and psychology and, and, and parenthood now. And it asserts that we need a safe, nurturing relationship with a caring, compassionate adult whom we turn to in stressful situations. Now, it's easy to kind of imagine how this theory came about. We all know that a child, when it is born, it has a natural reflex to grab, to hold, to be uh, to nuzzle at the breast, to be nurtured, and its worldview is about you know a couple of meters away, yeah. It's whoever's close, and over time it learns to trust that face, that nurturing adult, uh, and the hope is that every child has at least one or two of those nurturing adults. That bonding is really important. And then we all know that clingy phase that a, 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 a toddler has where they are now mobile and they venture out into the world a few meters in actuality until something scares them, a noise or a sense of, oh, where is my parent? Are they still here? And then they come back. That That's the stage, you know, the... the, the where you cling to the apron strings because you have that freedom to go, that ability to go, but you still sense you need to stay close. But then over time, if that relationship is, is done well, the emotions and the fears are regulated so that you can adapt and grow and to reach adult maturity. Well, that's what we want to do as disciples, don't we? We were all cut off, as, as, as happened to Adam and Eve, from our Heavenly Father. We were born in a way that we were not spiritually linked. You imagine a diver going to the bottom of the sea. They used to have the oxygen piped down. If that is severed, eventually that deep sea diver will perish we need to reconnect and be nurtured constantly 
That's why when we went on the weekend away, we focused on the prayer from Ephesians. And Stephen prayed this this morning. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all God's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to a measure of all the fullness of God. That's, in other words, to be reattached, to be reunited with God. Corinthians 2 verse 2, Paul had a similar intention. He said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He wants to know everything about Jesus and everything of Jesus. So, friends, the stress and emotions of life, the hurt that got my attention when I spilt my coffee, have a function. They drive us towards our primary caregiver, who is God. And as we develop and we're weaned away from our own parents and our carers, we venture out into the world. W that's not to be go it alone and become independent and self-willed and great. It's to depend on him more because he's always there. I wonder how many of us feel weak right now, feel uh, in need. Good, good, Miriam. Now, why do I say good? Why would it be good to say you feel weak? Because that is the route to real strength. Because that drives us towards relationship. If you don't believe me, it, I mean it sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? It doesn't sound logical. But this is what Paul said. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus said, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. When Jesus preached to the masses and he could see them coming needy and in need of a shepherd, how did he address them? He said, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Why are we blessed if, if we're poor in spirit? The kingdom of heaven is yours. Because you're poor in spirit, you come to him. Blessed are those who mourn. Some of you I know are mourning this morning. Blessed are you. Why? Because you come to God and you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Why? The meek are the ones who don't get what they want and what they deserve because they're sort of back of the queue and too timid to push forward. Well, blessed are you because you'll come to God and he will give you the entire earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do we do that this morning? That's us here, isn't it? What does Jesus give us us? You spoke it out. It gives us the kingdom of heaven for those who hunger, 
they will be filled. Yeah? He puts on us a cloak of righteousness. He gives us a garment of praise instead of a garment of despair. So it's not an oxymoron. Many struggle. But those who seek God through those struggles will get what they're looking for. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 12 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things of God that he's prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the Holy Spirit, he's been searching uh, your minds and mine this morning so that this sermon has been a lot easier to, to bring because God's doing it. He understands where you're at. He knows how you tick. going to skip a little bit. I'm just going to uh, I'm going to bring us uh, into Genesis 3 if you wanted to to get that open. Um, but before I do, whilst you do that, let me just take you into my own world. I want to be intimate and and vulnerable with you. I felt compelled last night to go up into the loft into a box. It was literally the furthest part. I was covered in insulation. And um, to get out my diaries. And um, they go back to 1995. Because I used to write a prayer to Jesus. I say most days. That was a good week. Um, a little prayer every day. There are, there are other weeks which, you know, weren't so amazing. <laughs> you know, where I didn't have time for God and I just wrote a quick, a quick note. But out of it popped this, which my Auntie Mary had sent me. She'd photocopied it. It was a, a letter I said to say thank you for my Christmas present or birthday present. I must have been looking at her handwriting about six when I wrote this. Dear Auntie Mary, I hope your family, spelt wrongly, is all well because I've had the bug. My present you gave me was handy in two ways. Number one. Daddy can test the batteries when the television goes wrong. Now, I'm trying to think what this present was. Was it a battery tester? In which case, auntie got it wrong that year. And number two, I can play with it by myself when I am lonely. Isn't that sad? Love from Giles, kiss, kiss. I, th I find that fascinating. That age six, you know, I've got a loving family, two uh, brat, brat brothers and sisters and and I was lonely yeah so January Thursday 19th 1995 I mean these are just a couple of examples Lord you know my heart so well you call me to yourself when I stray too far away. 
I thank you for the words that were spoken at church tonight. They were so bang on. Lord, I ask that you would increase that filling of me that will take me away from the area which the prodigal son's elder brother found himself in and enable me to enjoy what you have given me without being selfish. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I've, I think I understand that now. Um, the next one, Lord, I thank you for getting me through my exams today. I pray that you will give me the heart just a lot of bad heart. Give me the heart to keep focusing on you when things are going well and that there are so many good distractions around. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, we don't change, do we? Our human heart is always being worked on. But the good thing is that I understand more of God now and I understand his heart for me and I don't have such a, a, an older brother Con, um, complex and um, my communion with God is deeper than it was before now I didn't realize it then but taking 20 minutes out to write my journal for you know for years and years was developing a discipline to sit with my thoughts and wrestle with God with my thoughts one-to-one -one. Now, obviously, I had friends, accountability partners, prayer partners, that I could say how I felt, and that was really important for me as an extrovert. But the fact that I did it on my own with God has really enriched my walk with God. And it's also helped me to get to know myself better. Because you can look back on that, and you can really understand what makes you tick. I mean, I was fascinated last night reading through the different years, and you realize quite... I mean, if you could chart my passage through that year, I was my second year of university. I was in Broomgrove Road, Exel Road. And I just remember it being a really dark winter. I mean, bits I read from were from January. Yeah? If you go through my diaries and you want the, you know, the real kind of low, it's always January. Well, I know it now. I understand that. So I can regulate that. But at the time, it was just the darkest of days. And I was crying out to God. Now, now, I can phone everybody, anybody I want in the world. I can distract myself with any, anything that I really want to. I wonder if the, the youth or us today would, would have that discipline as easily. Because back then, it was just me, a notebook, and a very cold student room and a Bible. It's nice to have all the things that we have, but sometimes a cold prison cell is all you need for self-reflection and, and talking to God. Well, let's just quickly um, look at Adam. And reading Genesis chapter 3. This is where it all begins. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you mustn't eat from a tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, lots of bounty, but God did say you mustn't eat from the fruit in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. 
You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man. And listen to these questions that God used. Where are you? He said. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the, servant, uh, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, Adam and Eve had all that they needed. But as soon as they chose their own path and went without God, did you notice how feelings suddenly came? New feelings. Feelings of shame. Feelings of guilt. Feelings of fear. And there was some behavior that would lead to sadness, loneliness, and hurt, further hurt. Now, I just want to, I think these questions that God asks are helpful for us to relocate ourselves in this Garden of Eden. Where are you? Where is your heart? Where are you? With God, where are you at in life right now? God knew where Adam was. He wasn't asking it for his own benefit. He was asking it so that Adam would relocate himself. Second question. Who told you? If you're believing a lie, who told you that lie? Lies don't come from God. In that prophecy we had earlier, it was, it, it was about um, not believing in uh, untruths or deceptions. Well, what deceptions are we believing? The enemy's untrustworthy, but God is trustworthy. Third question, what have you done? When we spend time to stop and to be with God, we reflect on our own actions and we start to think, are they right? Do we need to repent? So, those three questions again. Where are you? We need to be able to say, 
that we are children of God, with God. And if you're not, we need to get close to him. Second, who told you? Who are we trying to cozy up to? Are we making the enemy our primary caregiver? Or do we need to return to the one who we truly can trust? And thirdly, what have you done? Do we need to repent of the things that we've done as we've played prodigal? Let's pray.